Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Uh, amen. Um, if you're new here, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. My name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor. I'm on the teaching team. Um, pastor Brad uh, shares the pulpit and other uh, preachers. And so what's great about it, no matter who's up here, we, we give the same Jesus. And so um, and we have an unapologetic um, passion for preaching Christ at the center of everything. And so we're just so glad that you're here this morning. We are in a new sermon series. We're studying the book of Ephesians. So why don't you grab that? If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you, kind of like in a little tray area. Grab it. <clears throat> um, immerse in a new identity. So that's the theme. We want to immerse ourselves in what God's word says about us. So we believe as we open the Bible, it's God's word, and we believe and trust God's word. We want to come under it. And so in Ephesians, it's all about really Pastor Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wanting to immerse us in this new identity that we find ourselves uh, as Christ's followers. And so um, Ephesians, immerse in a new identity. <clears throat> if you have your Bible from the one I told you to grab, if you grabbed it. It's page 917 there, page 917 in that Bible. We'll be in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. I'm going to read that. Bear with me. If you've never heard me read it, it's special. I'm dyslexic, and sometimes I get mixed up. But Ephesians 1, uh, 15 through 23, it says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks uh, Give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above uh, all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So that's the word of God. If you don't mind bowing your heads, let's pray. God, we thank you <clears throat> that you speak so clearly to us through your word. I pray as it says in this text that you give us a spirit of wisdom and that by God's grace we would hear these words and it just wouldn't be information, but by the spirit of God it'd be transformation that we would behold Christ more, uh, that we'd see the beauty of Christ more, uh, and that we be changed as we, as we just see him as he is, which is glorious and loving and kind and for us. And so help us get a glimpse of Jesus more rightly this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, if I gave the sermon title, it would be this, his glorious inheritance, his glorious inheritance. So verse 18 is actually where that comes out of. So the key, like, main thrust of this verse is found in uh, verse 18. I'll go ahead and just read that. 
Uh, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are, listen, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So that's where the sermon title comes out of, his glorious inheritance. And so um, we have to, we, the hope here of the sermon is that we would we'd accomplish that, that we would know, we would experience the hope, this, this real living hope that's in Jesus. And it says in scripture, if you know Jesus, you've been called by God to live in light of this living real hope that should really change the trajectory of your life and uh, for that matter, eternity. So there's a, a riches of glorious inheritance that, that Paul's wanting you to see, to behold, to experience more rightly this morning. Um, so verse 15, we'll pick up. That's where we started reading. It says, for this reason. So Paul is writing the Ephesians church, and, and we're picking up kind of in the middle of the chapter. He says, for this reason. So he's building out this argument. He's basically saying, uh, therefore, this is true. Uh, so we don't want to assume verses, uh, the first part of 15, for this reason. So he's giving us um, uh, really a pointing back to verses 3 uh, uh, through 14. He's saying, for this reason, verses 3 through 14, this is true. Then he's going to go on to explain it. I don't want to assume that you know what verses 3 through 14 are, so I was going to tell you real fast. Uh, for this reason is the gospel. He's saying, because you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, now you can live this way. Now, we will never assume at the door church that you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ because that puts us in a bad position if you know what assuming is, right? We don't want to assume. We're going to be explicit about what three and four, uh, verses 3 through 14 is, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, just to show you what it says, verse 13, it says, In him, listen, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, uh, were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit. So he tells us, um, for this reason he's about to write to you, he goes, he's telling us that if you have heard the word of truth, so what is the word of truth? That is what Jesus Christ has done for you. So the gospel, if you don't know what that is, you know what Christianity is, I'm glad you're here. Uh, the gospel is good news. So that's what the word means, gospel. It's good news of what God has done for you in his son, Jesus Christ. So we are sinners, and what that means is you fall short of the glory of God. You do the things you don't want to do, thought, word, deed. Like you mess up all the time. And if you can't admit that, you're not seeing yourself rightly. But that's just the reality of it. The good news is God loves you despite you and sent his son to save you. That's the word of truth, that Jesus Christ entered in. He lived the life that you couldn't live. That means where we failed, he completely succeeded and was righteous for the unrighteous. Then he died the death that you deserved. Like you deserve payment uh, for, uh, to a righteous old God for your shortcomings, your sins. And Jesus Christ on the cross paid in full the consequence of your sin, absorbed the wrath of God, absorbed the judgment of God, paid for uh, your, 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 your sins, uh, nailed them to the cross, and then rose again having victory over sin, Satan, and death. And it says, whoever believes in him is saved. That's justification. How you're made right with God is by faith in Jesus Christ, what he has done for you. And the only way that you become a Christian is you hear the word of truth. This is true what I just said, right? And then you believe. Like you have to subject to these, like that is, that is true. I am a sinner. I need a savior. And yet put your faith in a personal relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 14 emphasizes this idea. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's why we love preaching about Jesus. Why? Because we want you to what? We want you to believe. 
We want you to hear the word of truth in response in, uh, in believing. You have to have your faith uh, put in Jesus Christ. So let's go back to 15. For this reason, what? For, what's that reason? The gospel. For the, the reason of the gospel, it says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that. Heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints. So this is interesting. So when you become a Christian, how you become a Christian is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The outcome of your faith is a, your relationship with God. And listen, you have a love towards all their saints. So there's some physical laws that we all study, or we, at least we know. Uh, physical laws, uh, physical realities are truth. So I was typo, typing this in this morning into Google Docs, and it's actually finishing my sentences as I write in Google Doc, which is really helpful for me. Um, and it was, I wrote down this, some physical laws. Whatever goes up, what, must come down. What, why? Because there's a physical reality of gravity. So we've heard that. If something's falling, you know what? Someone throws something up in the air. All right, so whatever goes up must come down. It's, it's the outcome of, of throwing something in the air. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Again, Google Docs, just finishing my sentence. Why? Because these are physical realities that we observe. There's a cause and effect to uh, the, this world. Now, there is spiritual realities. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, there's a cause and effect, right? So here, here's what it says. It says, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, what? In your love towards all the saints. It doesn't mean if you have love towards all the saints, if you have love in your heart towards other people, you will be saved. That's not what it says. But it says, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? You will, it'll cause you to have love for other people. Now, Again, that is a, that's the outcome of Christian behavior. So a lot of people think Christianity is like, I say a prayer, and I know it took if I'm good. That's actually not what it says in Scripture. It says, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he comes and shares his love with you, the great love that he has for you, a sacrificial love that he has for you in his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will expand your heart to experience the love of the Father. And then what happens? You're going to love other people. So the actually outcome, symptoms of you have a relationship with God is what? Love for one another. Now, this is experiential true, not only biblically true for me. If you didn't know me, most of you didn't know me before I was a Christian. I wasn't good, so I wasn't killing that either. But I certainly didn't like people. Like, uh, I, you know, I sometimes had a mirage of liking people. Uh, it wasn't until God saved me, until I understood his great love for me, despite me and understanding grace, that he expanded my heart to actually have concern and compassion and kindness towards others. Until then, I did not care, care a bit about people. Know why? Because I love, I love me. I had a lot of self-love, but not a lot of God-love that caused other people-focused love. And so there's a litmus test. Do you have true faith? Uh, true faith? There's, a, <laughs> there's a cause and effect. Look at the people, particularly it says the saints, the church. Do you love them? Has God shared his heart with you? Compassion, kindness is the outcome towards other people when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's true faith. Again, the love of the saints doesn't save you, but it's proof that you have been saved. And that's something you should measure, not, not behavior modification. A lot of people want to say, if I'm good, I must be a Christian. Wrong. It says, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, man, you, there's a deep love that will be grown towards what? Other people. Now, uh, never want to see the gospel. Faith in Jesus Christ, the outcome of that, the effect is there's a real trajectory, not perfection, but trajectory of loving 
other people. Now, in this text, Paul is writing really a prayer. It's an amazing prayer for the Ephesians church. It says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayer. So he's praying for them uh, in this text. Um, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our glory, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So he has this prayer, and he's basically praying for this Ephesians church that put their faith in Jesus Christ as loving those saints. What is he praying for? He wants them to have spiritual growth as Christians. That's what he's praying for. I want you to grow up uh, to what it means to, to, to be a Christian. Verse 18, it says something really weird. It says, he's praying for what? That, that you've had the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So um, one, he's talking to already Christians, but he's, he's saying that really to become a Christian, to grow as a Christian, is to have your eyes of your heart enlightened. Clearly, to actually, to see clearly more of Christ. Now, a basic uh, anatomy question. Does, does a heart have eyes? The answer is the no, right? If you didn't know that, the heart does not have eyes. Why is he saying it this way? He's saying when the, the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, um, you're, you, you, what that means is your love changes in your heart. Again, it goes back to love. Your affections change. Before I was a Christ follower, I did not love God and I did not love other people. When I saw for the first time, my eyes, the spiritual eyes of my heart, he changed my, the, the affection for God through Jesus, and he changed my affection for other people. So when he's talking about the eyes of our hearts and light, and he's talking about the affections of your heart, the love of your heart. When you, again, to be a Christian is not just like just transactional faith. It is, it's a true faith. It's a, it's a beautiful faith. It, you know, in scripture, it says that even the demons believe that Jesus is Jesus. Know why? Because Jesus is Jesus. Like, it, it's true. That's not saving faith. It's when you see Jesus as beautiful. Those eyes of your heart, he becomes beautiful to you. That spirit rot. What that looks like is in a world that's all about you, when you come to Christ, you actually see the world's not about you. It's about Jesus. Another way you can look at it, when, you, when the eyes of your heart first are enlightened, you're living for this world. But when you meet Jesus, it changed your love for this world, what, to the love of Jesus. Another way you can look at it is when you meet Jesus, all your concern is about the temporal things. But when you meet Jesus, you care more what, about the eternal things. Those are what, that's the eyes of your heart are start to be centered on Jesus, and it changes the way that you live. Now, He's talking, again, to already Christians. Like these people have seen Jesus as beautiful. They have saving faith. They put their faith in Jesus. This uh, heart, heart, heart for God for them has grown in his heart and affection for other people. Now, verse 17, he's asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give them what? The spirit of wisdom and of revelation, the knowledge of him. So what he's praying for, what he's praying for is that the spirit of God would allow them to see Jesus more rightly. Now think about that. He didn't pray, you know, for a, a, a kind of a new revelation, but a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. That's how you grow. He's saying, I want the spirit of God 
to illuminate the beauties and glories of Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying. It's saying, I want this information that we hear about God in Jesus Christ, not just to be information, but he wants it to be transformation. It changes our perspective, not only of Christ, but our, this new reality changes everything about us. So, you know, do you view Christ as lovely? Do you see the need of Christ? Do you see the, the beauty of Christ and how he's loved you? So just a side note, Paul, is, he's praying for the Ephesians church. And what's so interesting, he doesn't pray for the sick. He doesn't pray for the government. He doesn't pray for the money issues that they're having. Not that those aren't issues. What does he pray for more than anything? He prays that their eyes of their hearts would be enlightened to the glories of Christ. Because if you see the perspective of Christ, the world changes around you. That's interesting to me. Hear me, I guarantee there's people in this church that are having financial issues. I mean, if you know the Bible, the government wasn't awesome then, right? It was horrific. He wasn't actually praying for change there. I'm not saying those are bad prayers, but first and foremost, what does he pray for? I pray that you get your eyes more on Christ and see who he is and that he give you a spirit of peace and wisdom to actually interact in the world that's going on. So now, He's praying for the spirit of wisdom that we'd see Christ more rightly. That's what he's praying for. Now, there's two things that he prays for in specific that I hope that our hearts would grow in this morning because that's what Paul's praying for. Um, we'll, we'll read it in, in verse 18, which we've already read, but I'll read it again. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope. So he wants you to experience this hope to which he has called you. So you've been called by God into a relationship with Jesus what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, the saints? Now, this is amazing what he just said. He just says, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, that you are God's inheritance. God values you uh, to, to extreme. It's, it's you're, his, you're his possessions, and he cherishes you. And he, want, he, wants, the, the spirit, he wants the spirit of God to enlighten your heart to understand how God the Father treasures you. Now, why, why does he want that? That will change your life. If you understand how God views you and loves you, it will totally and radically change your life. And he talks about uh, really what is this uh, relationship and inheritance that we have with God now in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna read verses five through eight because it's all building off of last week. It says this, verse five, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he blessed us in the beloved. Listen, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses and according to the riches of his grace, which he's lavished upon us. This is why we are his inheritance. Whatever you think of Christianity is, you need to hear this. It's this. It's this. Christianity is about a relationship with God as your dad. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christianity is all about. Now, the way that he's accomplished this, it, it, it should minister to our hearts so deeply. And that's why he wants us to behold Christ rightly, because it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. And why do we have this relationship? Because of Jesus. Verse 7, it says, through the blood of Jesus, we have redemption. Now, this is a lot here. So redemption is an idea of a clearing of debt by payment. 
So we need to be redeemed. Why? Because we have a debt that we can't pay. Who paid that? Jesus paid it. Number two, redemption is a giving of really a possession or a payment for a possession that you, could be, uh, that you can get something. So they're both are true by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're both are true. So a lot of people see the cross on the sides. Louisville's behind me. You're like, what in the world uh, is a bloody cross at the center of Christ's faith? Well, it's about redemption. See, there's a bloody cross so we would know that we could be purchased back. Now, there's two, there's two ways this happens that we got to see what God brings to us in his son, Jesus Christ, that you, number one, you're forgiven. You are so forgiven. Why? Because God has lavished his love, love upon you by the death of his son, the riches of his grace. So, so many of us, don't under, we don't walk in this. We have so much shame, regret. Uh, we have... <laughs> We have so much, um, we, we're, we, we have a past, and hear me, I have a past, it's true. Like if anyone says, hey, Scott, you see that, but yeah, that, that's true, but it's paid in full by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You, you're going to mess up today, like presently. You're going to lose your, you're going to get angry with your kids. You're going to have a wandering eye. You're going you're gonna to mess up today, and God loves you. Why? Because the precious blood of Jesus Christ is paid for. In the future, you will fall on your face. You know all your sin was future sin? All of it was future sin when he went to die on the cross? This is the payment that he paid for. You are forgiven. He has lavished you with love by paying your debt in full by his precious blood. In full. That's why on the cross he says it's finished. See, the reason why you, be, you can be forgiven is by the costly blood of Jesus Christ. There was a, there's a price to be paid. It was the high price of the death of Jesus Christ. It wasn't God's looking up there and saying, you know what, doesn't matter. <laughs> Go do what you want. No, he, he cared greatly. Justice had to be maintained, and he sent his son to be the just and the justifier. He died our death, and then he gives us grace. Do you walk in that forgiveness? All of our life is our debt has been wiped away. Our debt has been wiped away, and it's more than that. By the blood, by the ransom of Jesus Christ, he has blood bought us as sons and daughters for eternity. You have the access, listen, you have access to the Father. He has set his love upon you. He, he treasures you. Uh, that's, that's grace. So a lot of us just stop short in the sense of like, oh, I'm forgiven. Yes, you need, you need to walk in that. But it's more than that. You've now been bought into a relationship with God as your dad. This is grace. Now, a lot, I'm going to try to help this make sense because like, ah, you're, what, is, what does that change anything? So uh, here's a bad illustration. That's all I got. thought about it. That's all I got. Um, baseball. I used to play a lot of baseball. I wasn't ever that good. Anyway, I was at a tournament, and the, this tournament was a big deal. You know why? Because you get to wear metal cleats. And if you've never had metal cleats as a baseball player, it's a big deal. And the reason why, because it makes, it makes noises. And that's a big deal if you're young. I always had the rubber cleats. This is a metal cleat tournament. And I was like, Dad, I want some metal cleats. And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, Dad, please, everyone's getting metal cleats. Got metal cleats. And he finally said yes. I was like, yes. So we went to McDonald's uh, before the tournament started. And uh, we're getting some breakfast with all the team. And I was going to get some cleats, metal cleats, and go play. He told us to sit down. He's, he's one of the coaches. And, you know, me being me, I didn't listen. And I was running around in the playground area and jumping over fences and end up stepping on a newspaper bin. That used to be a thing, newspapers, uh, bins. I stepped on the newspaper bin, jumped over the fence. And as I jumped over the fence, every, you know, every cause of equal reaction, that thing went to the ground and it shattered and my hope shattered. Uh, dishonored my dad. I didn't listen to him. Uh, there was a, a payment to be made. 
you know, in my mind, I'm probably 10, 11 years old, like that's expensive. You know, my dad's on the hook for that. Um, and in that moment, there's an illustration of grace. I dishonor my dad through my disobedience. There's a cost to be paid that I could not pay. And there, there's, you know, there's something that I forfeited, which was, you know, my cleats. But, but Papa, my dad, being, you know, giving me what I don't deserve, this is grace, right? He paid my debt, and he also gave me what I didn't deserve was cleats because I didn't earn them. I disobeyed him, but he gave it to me anyway. That's kind of what grace is. It's not only does Jesus pay your debt, but then he lavishes his love on you when you don't deserve it. So I, I think so many people don't understand grace, and they don't think they can be loved. They don't think they'd be forgiven. You have struggles. God knows you have struggles. God's not surprised by your struggles. He's not surprised by your failures. He's not surprised by your past. He's not, he's not, he won't be surprised by any of it. The point of when we look, and the Holy Spirit goes, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom. Look at the grace that God has lavished upon you. Find the forgiveness that Christ has brought to you. Walk in the relations that he's bought you. The, the thought I had in my mind as I was preparing the sermon is the AT&T commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Some of you need to hear like a gospel presentation. Does he love me now? Yes. Does he love me now? Yes. Does he love me now? Yes. How do I know that? The cross of Christ. He has set his, his love upon you. Now, this is why he's praying for that. If you get your eyes on Christ, your circumstances don't matter as much. They just don't. They're put in the proper position. Your money problem doesn't matter so much if you truly believe the gospel. Your government issues don't matter as much if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The issues that you have don't matter as much if you believe in the resurrected Christ. Now, why is this true? Because your circumstances don't matter as much because who is with you and who's that? That's King Jesus. He's on your side. My kids get that. When Papa is around, they, they feel invincible. Now, why? Papa has an endless bank account to them. They, whatever is going to happen, they're like, he can buy it. If, if whatever's broken, Papa can fix it. Why? Because they understand who Papa is. And hear me, God's way better than my, my dad. But they're, they're not worried about any circumstance. Why? Because they, they know Papa. They know their dad. Well, they know their granddad. And they wish they had the dad like that, right? Romans 8.15 says it this way. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received what the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom what? We cry, Abba, Father. God, the God who created all things, sustains all things, is your Papa. The Alpha and the Omega is your dad. So should you be worrying about all the circumstances in your life? The answer, absolutely not. Why? Because he has it. He has it. Now, I've written down this is a committed redeeming love. God is committed to you because the redeeming love of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God should be, man, just welling up to you. This is, this is my position. This is what we're doing. We're immersed in our identity. Psalm 17.8 says this, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. In Christ, God the Father sees you. This is the apple of his eye. I mean, this is, I mean, it's so good. Um, so grace is, is not, only, um, not only does God forgive you, but he, he sees you as, as if you've always obeyed. That's the apple of his eye. Like you've never done any wrong, but only done right. How does he do that? Through Jesus. You're the apple of his eye. Um, 
God looks at you and sees, sees, no, sees no wrongs. Do you believe that? That's what the gospel says. God looks at you. Now, I'm not saying you don't do wrong, but God views because of something as you do no wrong. Uh, so I'll give you how this changes your life. Um, this is your identity, beloved, your beloved child. You, you walk in this truth. So my son Joshua, two weeks ago, he had, I didn't say lost the game, but he didn't win the game. We'll go that way. Like two drop passes, could have won the game. It hit him right in the hands. I'd be like, buddy, I, I don't know what to tell you. You just missed. And he got home. And he's like, can we play catch? I was like, well, we, we can, but it's not going to help you during the game. You just got to, you know, have more confidence, walk in that. It was real sweet. So my mom called Joshua on his way to this game. And it was a make tear up because it's sweet. But this is how God sees you because failure's clear. My mom called before his game and says, you do no wrongs in my eyes. And I love you. Do your best, and my, lo- my love will never change for you. Now, he went out and played a great game, but why? His identity is secure. He's not worried if his dad, his mom, his, his grandparents are going to love him, contingent upon his performance. It changes what? How you live right now. If you truly believe, you're loved. It's not set upon your circumstance. It's not set on your preference. It's set on God's love for you and Jesus Christ. You get to walk in the truth. You're the apple of God's eye. He's never like, I can't stand that person. Right? No, he set his love upon you. You get to walk in that. Spirit rot. This is spirit rot truth that only the eyes, the eyes of your heart has to see Christ more rightly through the cross of Christ. This is why he's praying. Like, I'm praying that you would see this as true. Number two, I got to go quick, is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. That's verse 19. He's praying for this reality to be more true. It is true. The question is, do you see it? I'll read through the end. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? So he's talking about this power. This power is now working for us who? For, For those who believe. Now, he has, God has great might, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, it's important, not only in this age, but also the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the idea of verse really, uh, really 19 through 23 is there's an immeasurable great power that, that works for those who believe. Now, um, th- this illustration, it t- it's talking about what kind of power? It defines it. It's talking about the resurrection power. The same power that rose Christ from the grave is working what? For you. That's what it means. Now, I'm going to give you some, some background. You've ever, always heard Good Friday? That's when Jesus died, if you don't know what that means. Good Friday is when Jesus died. That, that wasn't a good day. Like, no one, like, looked at the day. He's like, that, no, thank God Jesus died. No, that's, you know, the, uh, all the disciples were devastated. They ran. It's it a very dark day. It was a bad day. So we call it good day, Good Friday because we know the outcome, the resurrection. But during that moment, it was sad, sad bad Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday? Because resurrection happened. The power of the resurrection now, when Jesus defeated, when he rose again, he defeated sin, paid him fully so you can have forgiven, right? Resurrected power, then you're physically going to rise again. So this resurrection power is how God's working for you in this age and the age to come. Now, i got to move quickly. 
Now, I will say, in, in the age is right now or the age to come. Sometimes when I leave, I talk to Marcy, I tell you, I love you. I'll say, this side or the other. What, what, and I just mean, like, hey, I love you right now. And if it's on the eternity, I love you then too, right? This side in this age or the age to come. So if your faith is in Jesus Christ, I need you to hear this. Resurrected power means God's getting your life right right now. In every way that you think he's getting it wrong, he's nailing it. And if you had the 2020 hindsight, you would agree that he's nailing it, but you don't have the perspective of God. It says this in Romans 8, 28, this is resurrected power. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose. I got a short illustration here is I try to play baseball at Tech, broke my foot, worst day. Went to Abilene Christian, I hate Abilene. If you've ever been to Abilene, it's not awesome. That's where they want me to play. It's not what I wanted. I was devastated. But you know what? ACU, I met my wife, and I, get, I have three beautiful kids. And I, now I look back. I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you for taking tech away from me. Thank you for breaking my foot. Now, in that moment, I did not want my foot to be break, broke. I wanted to play at tech. Now, that's just a small, a small, a small view of what God's doing in your entire life. I, and, and there's some ways that I can't even trace it, but I know he's good. And you can look at your life in the same, uh, same way. This side or the other, the age to come, resurrection. That's why we say rest in peace. You ever go to a graveyard, particularly Christians were known for this. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's not known as a, uh, it's not a graveyard. It's, I can't even think of the word, so I'm just gonna move past it. But we believe they're gonna rise. Why? Because of John eleven twenty five 25 says this, this is resurrection power. Even if you die, you'll live. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. So even when you physically die, we know that you were going to raise one day when Christ returns. We're just sleeping. That's true in Christ. That's resurrected power. And to close it all off, resurrected power, this side or the other. He's going to get it right, even if you can't trace his hand in this life, you will in the next, it says in Revelation 21, verses three to six. This is all about the spirit of God working your heart to see it more rightly. And I heard a loud voice that, from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself uh, with them as their God. This is when Christ returns, uh, verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated at the right, uh, on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. So we believe this as Christians. We believe that Jesus Christ is going to raise, that we will have resurrected, we'll have physical resurrected bodies and then make all things new. He says, write this down. I like when God says, write it down. The why? Because Test me on it. This is going to happen. You may not believe it's going to happen sometimes, but it's happening. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. This is Jesus' resurrected power. Only the Spirit of God can help you walk in that. This is what Paul's praying. Is this enough for our lives? Yes and amen. If this is true, you are forgiven, you're beloved, you're a son, a daughter of God, that he right now is working all things together for good and one day you will rise from the grave and all th sad things come true. Spirit of God says that's true. Let it, that be true of our hearts and our lives. Let it change our perspectives because if that is true, it will change every single reality of our lives. So let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us walk in the spirit of wisdom that Paul's praying for. We need your grace to do that. I pray the eyes of our hearts would grow in love with Jesus more. Maybe it's the first time that we'd actually believe, that we believe that Jesus is a Savior, that we confess our sins and believe in Jesus and be saved. 
For others, I pray that we'd grow in just the knowledge and wisdom and grace that's in Jesus, that he's lavished upon us, that we belong to him, and that you're working a resurrection power in this life and the life to come. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.